Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, last time on Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks, the party continues north on the long road to Amphail. They encounter a merchant attempting to repair their broken-down wagon while holding off Ankeg. The Heralds of Greenest agree to help Bronwyn and her guards, and soon the cart is repaired, and the group are back on the road, making excellent time thanks to their new allies. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy, and oh my god, they had at the grocery store Midnight Moon oh Apple Pie Moonshine. Oh god. Oh god. This god, is the TPK I'm get day. So drunk. Yep, this is where we die. Guys, it's been a pleasure. From well, Jonathan the Magimuscular. We start when playing Jonathan the cello. Magimuscular tried to start setting the forest on fire. So, really, we've gotten about one episode further than <laughs> I thought we would get. Guys, I've been drinking when there's been dragons involved. I, I have faith in my ability to not kill you when I get drunk. I'm a happy drunk. That being said, let, let's see what kind of drunks you guys are. Travancore, why don't you go first? What are you drinking? I get to go first! I'm so excited! Hello, enablers! The Viceroy's choice this evening is Heritage Distillery's Rye Whiskey, with just a little bit of tap water to bring the flavor out. I didn't realize the tap water brought anything out except tap water. Ugh. But hey, if it's good, it's good. Sometimes there's black things in my tap water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is an issue that you should address. Bernie, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking, so, y'all, I'm taking a side in the cider war. I uh -oh. have. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. God. Oh, gods. I have Ace Pumpkin Cider. Yes! Yay! Yes! Pumpkin yes! Cider! Boo. Okay, so if <laughs> I walked into one of our, our beer stores. Uh, it's called Beer Durham. And uh, I asked, I was like, they have, I got this little growler, oh, 32 God. fluid wow. ounces. That is not a little growler. It's little compared not little. to what, 64? It's a half That's growler. eight short of a photy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no fucking clue what just came out of your mouth. <laughs> Jenga, you need to say that again. What was that again? That's eight short of a photy. I'm so glad you said that. That makes me so happy. Well, that's a thing. You certainly said that thing, and I will understand what that means one day. 32 fluid ounces. Um, probably. <laughs> so basically, like, three, three, three glasses. Um, yep. Start drinking. I already have. <laughs> uh, but so I walked in, and I asked if they still did growlers, and they had half cute growlers and then the big ones but i didn't want a big one and she said the only cider they had on tap was a pumpkin cider by ace and i knew in that moment that i was making a very big decision <laughs> <laughs> and i was like give me a taste and it was very good it's very good and i also ate a pumpkin muffin during our like pre-game talk so i am just a pumpkin i'm a pumpkin you That's are the a summary pumpkin. i'm a pumpkin it is past midnight and you've turned into a pumpkin that yes. is amazing kept the shoes though <laughs> Carlton, tell me you're drinking something pumpkin. No, Carlton is drinking a Mackenzie's hard, uh, black cherry hard cider that was generously supplied by his roommate Anna because she accidentally Ooh. stole one of his beers. I think you came out on top on this, though. That sounds fantastic. It is quite tasty. 
And speaking of quite tasty, uh, Jonathan, last but not least, what are you drinking? Hi, I play, I'm Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Muscular, And tonight I am drinking a wine that I have talked about but not actually drank on the show. Is a Marichal, Marichal uh, Tanat from Uruguay. And here's the bottle. Oh, and yes. It is, it is delicious. And it is, uh, well, it's, it's apparently really good for you. It's like a thick skin grape. And supposedly, a lot of the nutrients are in the skin. So mm. that is one of the reasons why Tanat specifically is supposed to be very good for you. So cheers. Hey, cheers, everybody. Getting drunk to get healthy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not getting drunk to get healthy. I'm just getting drunk. Because sometimes that's fun, too. Oh, here we go. Salud. Lachayim. Sure. Prost. Whatever. I'm sorry. I, should, I learned I the other German night that Prost is German. <laughs> so... You guys just met up with Bronwyn Dunn and her two guards and helped them defend their cart from some really nasty giant bug creatures and have been invited to join them on the trip to the to Amphail on the long road. It has been many hours and the black chargers that have been pulling this cart have been going at a really nice clip. Bernie, Coco Snoot is able to keep up, but it is... He's going at a bit more of a trot than you've been going previously. It was more of a walk, and now he's he's having to actually work to keep up. Good, he was getting fat. Well, and thankfully, because he's a military dog, this, this has not been a problem. And Bronwyn has been keeping the horses a little bit in check, both so that you can keep up and also because, you know, it's a road. And roads aren't amazing as far as potholes, especially on the long road in this section of the forest. So you guys continue on until sunset where she pulls the cart over to the side of the road and you guys have set up camp for the night because it is obviously not very safe to be driving the cart in the middle of the night. Uh, the two guards are very ably setting up a camp for the night while she takes care of the horses. What would you like to do? Nothing. Great. So a rook flies in. <laughs> I thought we were going to set up camp. Set up camp is the thing we do. Yeah, I'm going to have Bucks do his normal uh, uh, patrol, and I guess I will start bedding down? Yeah, I'm going to set up my hammock and uh, some trees there. What do you guys want to do as far as watches goes? Um, I have in my notes to keep watch with Selvig, but not let Selvig know that I'm keeping watch with him because he was doing something fishy earlier with his hands. Yeah, twitchy fingers. What's going on with yeah. that? He's probably so, masturbating, guys. God, when Selvig goes for his watch, <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye on him and kind of like pretend I'm asleep, but not really. I cannot wait for you to have to watch this man masturbate. <laughs> In that case, I'm going to stare at him hardcore and make him really uncomfortable. So you guys set up camp for the evening. Selvik and Tijin help you do all of the, the normal activities while Bronwyn is taking care of the horses, getting them fed and watered and, and tied up for the evening. And Jonathan, go ahead and have Bucks roll a perception check since you're having him do the, the watch thing during this. Well, <gasps> Bucks sees everything. Boom! <laughs> sees all. Everybody drink. 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 Is that a natural 20 from Bucks? That was a natural 20. He gets advantage. I was about to roll again, but there's really no point to crit fish. Double crit fish. Double crit fish. Don't waste it. (laughs) No, you do not get extra special points for hitting two 20s in a row. It's just epic. All right. It's 23, by the way. 
Okay. We all have to roll really high and hit crit as much as possible so Lauren gets shit-faced. I, I'm already. God damn, is this stuff good and <laughs> it's moonshine. Bucks does circles around the camp as you guys are setting up. It takes about an hour with feeding the horses and setting up the fire pit and setting up the tents and setting up the hammock and everything. He stays just kind of within the 100 foot radius to be able to stay in communication with Jonathan, you know, flying from tree to tree, keeping an eye out on stuff. And even after the sun has gone down, he doesn't see anything. And you're pretty confident it's it's going to be a pretty quiet night. Okay, let's bed down, guys. Yeah. All right. Eventually, Bronwyn comes back. You guys uh, eat out of your various stores. It, for a little while, it's kind of a an awkward silence as you've been traveling all day, but it's been a little too loud for too much conversation. Now that you have reached the end of the day, everybody's a little bit tired. Uh, Bronwyn heads towards her. She's got a, a bedroll set up and she says, uh, so uh, my people usually watch throughout the night i don't know what your plans are but we like to have stuff set up for the night oh we do as well we'll uh we'll be we'll we'll take care of things on this end perfect and she kind of just rolls into bed and falls asleep she's been dealing with these horses all day and you get the sense that while these are incredibly well-trained horses they're very powerful and would love the chance to run and she's been essentially holding them back all day tijan and selvig look at you guys and say well we the selvig says we usually trade off with who's doing what watch but you know, we're usually also in a large caravan with a lot of other people. What, what do you guys, what do you guys feel like? Yeah, we can rotate through without you, with, with everyone. Sure. Selvig looks over at Tijen and they kind of uh, make eye contact for a moment, but don't say anything. And then Selvig looks back at you guys and says, well, uh, we're, we're happy to take any watch that you want. What, what do you want to do? I'll take first watch. Second watch. Second, second's good. Selvig, why don't you go after Bernie, uh, and then I'll go after you, and then, uh, what was the other guy's name? Tegan. Tegan. Uh, his name Tegan. is Tegan. Tegan can go after me. So, it'll go uh, Travancore, Bernie, Selvig, myself, Tegan, Jonathan, you can rest up for your spells. Sounds good. Selvig speaks up and says, um, Tegan and I usually watch together. Uh, he doesn't tend to watch alone. I mean, he can. But as long as we've got some other people to watch with us, it's probably a good idea for the two of us to watch together or for someone to watch with him. All right. Well, Jonathan, do you want to watch with him or do we want to put those two guys together? And then, Jonathan, you take up the rear. Uh, I'll take up the rear. All right. So, yeah, we'll we'll do Travancore, Bernie, my uh, those two, myself, and then Jonathan. All right. As you guys kind of set up the watch order so that everybody still gets a long rest, Travancore, you and uh, Shadow are going to sit up for the night. Uh, everybody beds down. Go uh, ahead before and have- we bed down, I tell Bernie, wake me up before you wake them up because I want to watch with them. Whatever your fetish is, it's fine. I want to watch them. I want to okay. watch them long. I, all I night. know. You know, some things friends share with one another, and some things friends don't share with one another. And I'm not really sure that this is a sharing moment. He was doing some funny things with his fingers, and I want to I just, just expand on that. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. You will get to watch that, and I will go to sleep. 
very quickly, long before any of that shit happens. <laughs> All right, everybody heads off to their respective rests, except for Travancore and Shadow. I would love for you guys to roll me perception checks. Okie doke. Okay, so 16 for Travancore and 8 for Shadow. Okay, you keep an eye out for your two hours of watch. Travancore, you know that you've been followed by something. You're not sure what, some kind of four-legged creature. You've been wary of it and keeping an eye out for it, but you don't see anything. Shadow is content to just kind of curl up by your side. He seems pretty happy with the circumstance. More people, larger pack. He seems happy. Nothing seems to be going on. Okay. Um, just out of, out of the blue, I think this thought really deeply to myself. Hey, Flump Bro, are you out there? It's your old friend Travancore, just dropping a line, seeing how everything's going. And you think that out, and there's no response. That's worth a shot. All right, so you wake Bernie as your watch ends, and you guys head to sleep. Bernie, you are now awake on your watch. Uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check. All right. I got a 16. You also, I mean, all of you are very aware of these figures that kind of have been shadowing you this whole time. You keep a close eye out. Don't really see anything. Snow is continuing to fall and it's kind of a a, a very cold but still night. And you're pretty positive you don't see anything around. All right. Well, I'm going to creep over to where Carlton is and I'm going to wake him up first. Okay, are you just going to wake him up, or are you going to try to do it quietly so you don't wake anybody else up? Oh, let's do it quietly! Alright, give me a stealth check. Bernie's not that stealthy. Bernie's kind of loud. I believe in you. <laughs> However, I got a 16 on that, too! <laughs> so, she's a creeper, I guess, for tonight. So, with a 16, you manage just a few minutes before you were going to wake the the two elven twins you creep on over to carlton very quietly you, you you've ridden on his back for a very long time so you know exactly what parts of his upper shoulders and his head you can touch that will alert him but not startle him okay i need you to hold that and remember that for times when i want to startle him greatly and remember that i have ridden on his back for a very long time which means in the future i should yep. have advantage on freaking him the fuck out so bernie knows carlton's o spot <laughs> no i don't know that i don't know that we had a conversation earlier about what friends share and that is not on the list of things that friends share <laughs> i do know that you like to put things in your butt and i really wish i didn't know that and i <laughs> It is. We all wish we didn't know that, but you know, D and D. You can be a formed sexual being, and that is fine. It is important, in fact, or asexual. Doesn't matter. Fully formed. Don't need to share it. Don't need to share. No, 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 no. Bernie does know how to annoy the shit out of him, and in, I will remember this for later. I I remember this as well, and you don't get advantage. What what you get is a lower DC to do certain things. That works for me. But you are stealthy enough and aware enough to be able to wake Carlton up. Carlton, you come to very gently to familiar, a familiar feel. And knowing that you asked Bernie to do this, it, it's, it doesn't surprise you to now be awake in the middle of the night. All right. All I right. kind of give her a small, a quiet thumbs up. 
Yeah, well, I know where your thumbs are going to be soon. Um, Elf one and elf two. (laughs) I go over and wake Tegan and Sarah up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wow. Selvig and Tegan don't take much. You kind of give them a very gentle shake on the shoulder. Both of them come to. Selvig kind of grumbles a thanks to you. Tegan just gives you a nod. And are you going to head to sleep? I'm going to roll to see how fast I can get to sleep before they start masturbating. <laughs> All right. Bernie, I'd love you to roll me a constitution saving throw. Carlton, I'd love you to roll first. I'd love you to roll me a stealth check to see if they notice that you are faking it. And I will also do some rolling. I got an 11. Well, I they notice I'm, I rolled a five. ruh I say in my sleep. Don't worry, guys. I have this planned out in case I get I'm caught. dreaming of uh, of Large turkey women. chili recipes. Okay. Uh, Carlton rolled a five on his stealth check. Bernie, what'd you roll on your constitution saving throw? I uh, got an 11. Okay. You are asleep within minutes of putting your head on the oh, pillow. It's been a long Jesus. day. You've, you are just unable to even keep your eyes awake. Carlton, you lay there doing your best approximation of sleep. You fake snore and everything. It's great. You are convinced that you are no one will know that you are not asleep. And you eventually turn to be looking in the direction that the two elven brothers are. You haven't heard anything for a little while. Like they haven't really said anything to each other. Uh except when they first woke up, uh Selvig thanked Bernie, wished her a good night. And then told Tegan, I'll watch in this direction. I'll watch north, you watch south. And then they've been silent. As you turn over, I'd love you to roll me a perception check. This I'm good at. 23. All right, you very clearly notice the two of them. So you kind of lay there, lids half closed for a good 20, 30 minutes or so. Just kind of keeping an eye on these two, keeping an eye on everything going on, trying to be quiet and sleeping. They are intently watching in their direction. And then every once in a while, Selvig will turn and kind of give a a, a really quiet whistle to Tegan. And then you will see his fingers just very quickly moving in the air. Just, just his pointer finger, just kind of making very quick movements. And Tegan will respond. And then the two of them will go back to watching for a little while. And then maybe someone else will turn and they'll kind of whistle to each other and and move their fingers and then go back to watching. Can I roll a type of check to know whether or not if they are trying to do Thieves Can't? Ah, let me think. So do you, do you speak Thieves Can't? Me? No. No, I do not. Roll me an intelligence check. Do you even know check. that exists? Yeah, would your character know about it? Roll yeah. me an intelligence check. Probably not with an eight. Uh, with an eight? They're waving their fingers at each other, and it's weird. That's what I figured, but that's why you ask if I can roll for this. <laughs> All right. Two hours pass. There's one point, Carlton. Are you going to try to stay up the entire two hours I'm and gonna, watch? I'm going to go from into theirs into mine. So I'll basically okay. be doing a four-hour watch. All right. At one point in the middle of the watch, Tijin gives that really quiet whistle to Selvig and makes a couple of weird finger motions and then points and the two of them gaze off westward for a good three or four minutes quiet not moving 
And then eventually, Tijin looks back at Selvig and they kind of share a glance and a nod. And then they go back to watching. And it's somewhere in the middle of their watch, but nothing happens. And then at the very end, Tijin just kind of crawls into bed and goes to sleep. And Selvig comes over and grabs your shoulder and shakes you. <laughs> what? Eh? what? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, my turn. Yeah, it's your turn. All right. Uh, be careful. There's something out in the west. In the uh, westerly. Don't know exactly what it is, but we saw something moving out there. All right. Well, I'll I'll make sure that uh, I'll alert anybody if Does it gets close. Understand English or common, or does he only understand what I think at him? That's an excellent question that I don't know. Let's see. Familiars. Okay, Jonathan. Yes. He's a celestial, right? He's not a fae or a fae. Right, he's a celestial. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. As a celestial, he understands common. He cannot speak it. Uh, and yeah. He cannot communicate with anyone else besides you. And basically what he communicates with you telepathically are images and words and senses. He doesn't actually think sentences to you he thinks in pictures and he thinks in youtube videos essentially he gives you a feed dump of what he's seen and what he's thinking and feeling but yes i will say he can understand at least common if we go beyond common i might have to look up some more stuff but as a celestial i think he would understand common okay has he been awake this whole time or has he slept while you have been sleeping that's a good question. That like, is, because I kind of have an idea that you're Normally, going somewhere with he it. he would sleep during the day because he's an owl. Yes, but he's not really an owl. Right. I think he would probably, if he has to sleep, he would keep my schedule. Okay. So, yes, to answer your question, he has been asleep, but he does understand common. Okay. Selvig and Tijin wake Carlton, and they go off to bed after telling Carlton about this thing that they've seen off in the west and carlton it is now your watch go ahead and roll me a perception check um i'm gonna walk about 15 feet to the west okay gonna relieve myself you know As i've been holding do. that bladder uh and then i'll go ahead and do that perception check all right everybody oh, drink shit. 25 natural 20 nice wow i'm gonna get so drunk i'm already drink. really drunk yo we are perceptive as fuck tonight carlton with a 25 so you relieve yourself you look up, you peer out into the darkness. You see some familiar shapes moving about 200 feet off in the distance. These are the same shapes that you saw the night before. Once again, moving off in the distance, they seem to be four-legged animals. You are unsure exactly how many. There's at least four, maybe more, but you can see these shadows darting between trees for a good two or three minutes, and then they head west and meld back into the darkness. Can I wake up Bucks? Would you mind? Uh, I wouldn't mind. I'm, Bucks might mind. Uh, Bucks is currently... Well, Jonathan, where is where would Bucks sleep? Bucks would probably sleep in a tree closest to me. Okay, so Carlton, you know what tree that is, but he's a good 15 feet above you. Well, I've got a 10-foot halberd. I can kind of tickle his belly. With my reach, I'll be able to... No, you if you're going to tickle my owl no, with your with fucking the, halberd... With, with the pommel side. Okay, the pommel. good. Yeah. <laughs> don't tickle. Yes. I'm not going to use the pointy Take end care of with tickling my owl, motherfucker. You don't have the don't tickle my owl book over in this part of the world? <laughs> <laughs> it's required reading was back that, home. 
Was that how you learned about not about bad touches? Is that <laughs> Carlton turns his halberd over and very gently points the wood part up and sees I mean Bucks is a little tiny kind of white owl in the tree. With that perception, I would say you were able to just give him a little bit of a poke, and he immediately wakes up because, you know, as Jonathan said, owls normally sleep during the night, sleep during the day and are awake during the night. Because he's a celestial, he's going on Jonathan's schedule, but it, it's still weird. And he immediately wakes up and makes no noise, but glares down <laughs> at you, Carlton. If glares could kill, you would be rolling a new character right now. Yeah, I would like, not resurrect you because like you he, don't he tickle like another man's owl. And he, he quickly composes himself. <laughs> he looks around and he looks at you with a yeah, really look. <laughs> I kind of gesture him down to me to see if will he come. Bucks will not move, but he will continue to look at you intently. <laughs> I, I kind of say to Bucks, I say creatures and like I, I point out where they are can you go see what they are and tell me how many i will ask you what type of creature and then you can peck yes or no once for yes twice for no and then you could peck on my shoulder for how many would you be willing to do this so you can protect your master can he do that that is jonathan rolls his eyes flies down lands on jonathan and begins to knead him like a cat until he wakes up okay uh, uh, uh fucking cook what okay i'm up what's up going hey on? there was some those creatures that we keep encountering they're following mm-hmm. us so i tickled bucks's belly with my the 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 the, the 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 not sharp part of the halberd and he wants you to know if it's okay to go have him fly out see if he can tell what creature and then i said he can peck once for yes twice for no and he can peck how many are out there and we can ask him what kind of creatures they are well no no i guess my my question was can he peck out an answer or would he have to communicate through me? As you ask this question in your head, what you see is your owl bucks giving you a look that very clearly says, I'm not his owl, I'm yours. I'll say, if going forward, if he wants you to do something and, uh, and you're, okay, you're okay with it, then that's fine. Uh, your owl gives a very audible sigh and flies <laughs> off. Owls can sigh, but now we know. Owls cannot sigh. Celestials can. I think get him. you'll get an extra mouse for this, buddy. And before he leaves your 100-foot radius, you feel the owl part of him be happy about this, while the celestial part of him continues to roll his eyes. Okay. <laughs> It's a weird feeling. The celestial is stuck in this weird body. He flies out. He leaves your 100-foot radius. Do you stay awake or do you go back to sleep? Uh, I'll stay. Uh, how much sleep have I had? Uh, at this point, you've had two, four, six. You've had about six and a half hours of sleep. As long as you don't engage in more than an hour's worth of combat, you do get a long rest. So um, unless you get into more than an hour's worth of combat, you're still okay so for your gonna So I'm going to sit down and just uh, and just wait on Bucks. I'm going to do the whole, like, I'm going to kind of curl up and, and, like, be awake, but I'm lying down. Okay, go ahead and have Bucks roll a perception check. Carlton, what are you doing while this is happening? Uh, it's still my watch. I'm I'm a kind of head westward. Not head out west, but still keep going, like, on the edge of camp. 
I'll go about 40 feet. Okay. Go, you go ahead and also roll me a perception check then. Uh, that'll be a 19. Uh, I only Fox crit- only gets a, uh, a 14. He's clearly distracted and grumpy. Carlton, with a 19, you see the ghostly form of Bucks swoop on silent wings off into the darkness, eventually leaving the range of your dark vision and disappearing into the night. Jonathan, you feel him leave that distance after 100 feet. I don't like this feeling. It's tense. For a good three or four minutes, nothing happened. And then... Buck swoops back on in and lands on a tree nearby. And Jonathan, to you, what you see is what he has just seen, which is a darkened forest lit by dark vision, um, which is weird for you because you're not used to dark vision. Right. It kind of, it's this weird black and white view that you're not kind of used to, but very clear. And... At the very edge of this vision, you see two or three shapes, several feet, tail, move away. I think Buck saw something back there. They were multi-legged and had a tail. And as soon as I guess they saw him, they moved off. Okay. We are are definitely being tailed. (laughs) I go boo. <laughs> don't don't. I look at look at Jenka as though he's depressed or something. Do we Screw not forget you. about You're embarrassment just upset damage? You didn't think about that. I think. Did you not forget damage. embarrassment damage from like the first three episodes? Bernie just rolls yes. over and goes no, and goes back to sleep. <laughs> but if I do embarrassment damage every single time you guys make a bad pun, then we are. I'm you guys a wizard. Are not I can't survive. take much uh, embarrassment damage. Somewhere, uh, Travancore, deep asleep, having been up for the first watch, groans and rolls over. <laughs> he, he dream groans. Mm. Not that kind of dream groan. <laughs> Bucks uh, has no more information to relay, uh, except that he did see these figures, the indistinct figures moving away from the camp. I say, good job. I'll, I'll get you that mouse, uh, that mouse later. But for now, and I hold up one of my owl treats. He swoops down. Grabs it, goes back up into the tree. So, Jonathan, I'm going to go investigate this because they keep following us. And I don't like that we're being watched. I will go. If you want to stay awake, you can. If not, I can probably fend off whatever it is and run back and alert everybody if there's an issue. Why don't we do this? Bucks, trail him. And uh, and if he gets into trouble, do not fight. Just run away and, and come get us. Bucks is kind of in the middle of eating his treat. Bit of dried jerky. Kind of. Pauses in the middle. But finish your ju- finish your treat. Finish your gives treat. Gives you a look. Gives him a look. Swallows the jerky. Flies to the west. All right. I'm going to head west. Okay. Uh, how far would you like to go? Uh, I'm going to go about another 100 feet, and then I'm going to give a wolf howl. A, like a full-on loud wolf howl? Not like super loud, but like a recognizable like wolf howl. Not like enough to wake my compatriots. That's why I walked another 100. Okay. So... Soft enough that a hundred feet away you wouldn't wake your compatriots. Yeah, but and p- projecting in the direction that they were, they were. So like they're behind me. I'm facing west. I'm projecting west, but not super loud to wake the people behind me. So you get a hundred feet. Bucks swoops. Past so by now you I'm 140 because it was a 40 feet from camp originally. Now another hundred. I'm 140 feet from camp. Okay, go ahead and roll a perception check before you do this. All right, 23. 
Okay. Uh, you don't see anything. Okay. Uh, and you still want to give off the howl? Yep. Go ahead and roll a stealth check, because you're trying to direct this in a certain direction and yeah. not wake your companions. 16. Okay. It's not as loud as you'd like it, but you're really positive that nobody back at the camp, if they can hear this, it's faint enough that it wouldn't wake them. You let this very familiar howl go. It's been a while since you've done this, and it, it kind of brings back some good and bad memories, sends a little bit of a shiver down your spine. Bucks, who is at the that moment coasting from tree to tree, you could swear you see his his flight stutter for just a moment as you do this uncanny imitation of a wolf howl. The owl lands, the howl echoes, and a minute passes, two minutes, five minutes, nothing. All right, I'm going to, so they were 200, I'm 140. I'm going to go another 40 feet, which will then give me up to, so that will put me 180 feet from camp, and then dark vision, I would have 200 feet from camp now to see. Or no, okay. that's not math. 240 that's feet from math. camp is where I can see uh, with the dark vision. So I'm going to just keep etching onward. Okay. And so go ahead and roll a perception check. One of these. Uh, this is the one that sucks. Uh, 13. I was like, one of these is going to suck. Uh, Jonathan, go ahead and roll a perception check for Bucks as he coasts. He continues to kind of circle you. And he is now ahead of you by a couple of feet and lands on a tree. 22. Uh, Carlton, you don't see anything. Uh, I'm going to go uh, keep walking. Another 40 feet. Okay, another 40 feet. Perception. Go ahead and roll a perception check. 19. This time, uh, Bucks, because you've only moved 40 feet, you really haven't moved that far, so Bucks kind of stays where he is. You take a very long look around. Nothing. All right, I'm going to go another 80 feet, and then I'm going to call it a night. Okay. As you move the 80 feet, Bucks once again swoops forward. He very visibly swoops in front of your face and then around and then up and then into a tree about 10 feet away from you. Okay. Same thing, I, just a perception check. Yep. I wish I knew what that meant, Bucks. Ah, fuck. Eight. You take a very long look around into the darkness. You can hear a couple crickets. Nothing else. Yeah, I didn't think so with that roll. All right. All right, Bucks, let's go back to camp. All right, so you head on back. Jonathan, as Bucks heads into your 100-foot radius, he fills you in on what's happened on this little five-minute-ish excursion into the darkness, and you basically, in your mind, see a video play out of what he saw, and he's looked out over the darkness. He's been keeping an eye on Carlton, at some point, after several times stopping to look around and not noticing anything, he swooped in front of Carlton, basically trying to get him to turn back. But Carlton wanted to keep on going, so he kept on going. Didn't see anything. And at one point, he just sees me going. The buck's like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I back at camp now, I guess. Or can yep. I keep an eye out for stuff while I'm walking back? Or I, no, I don't see anything. Uh, you don't. You don't see anything. Didn't think so. You return to camp, no issues. Uh, Jonathan, you see, you're fr you feel you're familiar returning before you see Carlton because you don't have dark vision. So, but 
uh, bucks coming back into your senses alerts you that they're coming back and, and seems to be okay. All right. I roll over and say, good job, Buck. <laughs> I give Jonathan about five minutes before I wake him up like, hey, buddy, it's your shift. Well, he's got about another hour. Oh, he's got another hour to his shift? All right, uh, then. Yeah, this is about, here. this is pretty close into the, the beginning of your shift. Okay. This is taking a little while, so he's got about another hour. That's fine. All right. So you let him sleep for an hour and then wake him up? Yeah. Jonathan, you are awoken what seems like moments after you've fallen back asleep after this whole little adventure by your half-orc friend who once again is waking you up to watch as the sun is starting to rise in the east. I say, sorry about all that, but I appreciate you giving me a hand. Yeah, yeah, surely. <laughs> and then I go to my hammock. All right, Carlton falls very quickly asleep. Jonathan, are you going to watch or you want to wake Bucks back up? I'll just watch. I'll let Bucks sleep. He's earned it. Okay. Go ahead and roll a, roll a perception check. Do you know how hard it is to say perception when you're a little buzzed? <laughs> oh, my God. Drink. How many natural 20s are you guys going to roll in one night? What the hell? And not in combat. Sadly. As and many not as combat. it takes. And they've all been on perception, too. A 21. For two hours, you are absolutely positive. There's nothing within your eyesight. You are very keenly aware. You don't have dark vision, so there's not very far you can see. But nothing happens for those two hours. And as the sun finally rises, you stoke the fire. And everyone starts to come to having had a long rest. Yay. Yay. The, the night has been quiet. And not full of terrors. Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> as you guys break for breakfast, the half-elf twins also come to consciousness as well as Bronwyn. They've got their own stores of food. They give you some amicable conversation. Eventually, Bronwyn hooks the horses back up after making sure that, that they're okay. They've kind of been tethered next to the cart for the night. They haven't really made any noise and seem to be just fine. She's hooked them up. Within moments of the horses being hooked up, Tijin does his weird, very quick parkour runs, jumps onto the cart, climbs the cart, lands on top of the cart, and straddles it like it's a saddle, his bow at the ready, once again, kind of in sentry position. Uh, what are you guys going to do? I suppose we're getting ready to go. I'm going uh, to get up in the cart. Oh, I'm going to pack up my hammock. Feed Coco Snoot and get ready. When I'm going to try and find a mouse that I can fire blast for uh, for Bucks. Okay, uh, roll a perception check. Actually, Jonathan, I got you. As a outlander, I can like forage and scavenge and hunt for my party up to five people. Can I just find one for him? Yeah, if you've got that, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan talks about going off to go find a, a mouse, and you're like, dude, whoomp, and just hand him a recently deceased mouse that you've just snapped its neck. And Travancore, what you doing? Um, I want to try and pull aside someone else from my party and ask them a question. I'm, I'm actually Jonathan, this person I have asked this question for. So while he's doing that, I'm actually going to try and tug on his cape or his, uh, his robe, as it were. Lots of things getting tugged on tonight. Apparently. Everything's getting cleaned up. The elves are finishing cleaning the camp. Tijin's back up in his position. Bronwyn is hooking up the horses. You give Jonathan a little tap on the shoulder. Hey, man, to your knowledge, and this might not be your area of expertise, is there a spell that could summon these antique creatures, you think? Um, I guess I make an arcana check. 
Arcana the check. The NKGs you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, yeah, make an Arcana check. Uh, 21. Probably? I mean, a druid might have some ability to summon these things. It'd be weird, and there wouldn't really be any control that you know of. Chances are, in your pantheon of magic, any type of creature can be summoned. Whether they can be controlled or not is a completely different story. And you're not exactly sure whether Ankegs, as chaotic as they are, could really be controlled. Fair enough. And I say this making sure that no one else hears, Jonathan. Creepy twins are probably just being creepy twins, but I wanted to see if I could eliminate the possibility that they're actually summoning these creatures to draw business for themselves. It's a good it's a good thought, but I don't I don't know that that's the case. Alright, so we keep on doing what we do. I'm gonna go back into the cart. Uh you head back into the cart. So everybody heads back into the cart. Carlton, as you're heading on in, you feel a tap on your shoulder and you see Selvig moving away from you towards the back of the cart. He tapped my shoulder. I will, uh, I will look around and then I will very, you know, cautiously, quietly kind of follow him back. All right. Uh, you head towards the back of the cart. In the back, there's that. You get myself a tug job. <laughs> oh, God. As you turn the corner, you see Selvig is closing a, the, the very large box that's kind of stationed on the back of the cart. It's the one that you saw opened before that he, uh, that was, the anti-flame uh, stuff was pulled out of when Jonathan killed a bunch of stuff and then also set the cart on fire. He's closing that. He gives you a side glance and he says, So I know we just met. What'd you find out about last night? Uh, saw some creatures. Didn't get too far out before they got uh, scared off. Couldn't really tell what they were. What about you? Ah, uh, you're... Very, very bad fake sleeper. Yeah, well, I, I kind of have, I mean, I know I'm a big guy, but I have a very small bladder. Uh, and I had to wake up to relieve myself, otherwise I'd wet my hammock. And I just couldn't fall back asleep, and so I kind of just hung out. And you and your brother seemed to be doing your own thing, and I didn't want to intrude. Yeah, we were doing our own thing. Next time you want to spy on us, just ask. But, you know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. We're not... We're not friends. We're well, just it was, it was, allies. I mean, you were doing that it. weird thing with the fingers, and you were very—you didn't want to tell me what it was, and so I was just a little concerned. You know, you might be trying. You know, we we did just meet, and so I was a little concerned. I got to protect my pack. You got to protect your brother. I get it. Well, roll a persuasion check. That oh, is charisma. And I am super good at charisma. Let me tell you. Oh shit! Eighteen Dang. at charisma. Wow. <laughs> he gives you a very long stare, and then he says. You don't need to know what that finger waving is. All you need to know is that my brother, he doesn't talk. Except that's how we talk. I could see that being a little weird. I've spent some time I've spent some time with loved ones who also did not speak and we had our own way of communicating, so I understand. But you know, you guys kind of just showed up in the middle of the day and I don't expect you to trust us. And you shouldn't expect the same. But we're we're in this together until M fail, and if it helps, that's that's nothing you need to be concerned about. I I agree. You know we we don't have to be fr like we just met. People aren't friends immediately. I understand, but let's get this through together. Let's protect each other. Let's watch each other's backs, and we'll put the past in the past. Sounds good. 
And he seems satisfied and walks off. Uh, and w- when he goes to walk off, I kind of reach my hand out for a handshake. He stops for a second. Like, he was moving past you in a very deliberate way that you recognize as like, all right, this conversation is over and we've come to an accord and great. And then you reach out your hand and he kind of stops and he looks at it. And then he takes your hand and he shakes it and he gives you a nice firm handshake. And he says, let's just get to Amphail in one piece, okay? Sounds like a plan. And he heads back towards the front of the cart. All right. All right, you guys all enter the cart. Bernie, are you still riding along the side with Coco Snoot? Or yes. do you want to be in the cart this time? We're riding. Okay. And was Buck still going to do the circling thing? Yes. Perfect. All right. Thanks to the fact that you are in a very well-secured cart with four rather intimidating horses and a lot more people with you. I mean... It's only three more people, but it practically doubles the size of your party. Without much issue, you guys reach Amphail in another two days. It's unless there's something you would like to do as the long road progresses, you are not bothered at all. Another night goes by where every once in a while you might see these shadows in the distance, but they never seem to come closer than about 150, 200 feet. And Bronwyn continues to sleep through the night, but Tegan and Selvig do watch every single night. I cannot stop thinking of them as Tegan and Sarah now. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> That's the only thing I've thought of them as. So they sing while they No. No, I'm not gonna say everything it. is awesome. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> I didn't have to. It's about two more days. So you you wake up on the third day, travel the whole day. It's it's once again kind of lightly snowing, gray overcast, nothing special, nothing happens. You sleep overnight. On the fourth day, thanks to the chargers that are pulling the cart and being able to go at a, a faster clip, as it gets to about mid-afternoon, so a few hours before dinner time, several hours before true nightfall, you guys crest around a hill and the town of Amphail has appeared in front of you. You're still about a couple miles out. Bronwyn gives a, a kind of a squinty-eyed look down at the town and I love you all to roll perception checks. Do I get advantage or no? Why would you get advantage? <laughs> because I know it. I know Amphail. Uh, in this case, no, you would not okay. get advantage. All right, then I crit failed. Jesus Christ, Jack! What the? Oh my God! Fuck? Another hey, one, every, Jack! You son of a oh, bitch! Yeah, everybody drink. Um, <laughs> every every crit tonight has been on perception. Yeah, we're perceptive as fuck. I really hope we don't have to fight anything. So from this point on, because we've got a dog, an owl, and a bear in the party. When I ask for global checks like this, if you want your animal familiar companion or riding dog to also make this check, I expect you to make that check. That being said, Carlton, what'd you get? Uh, I was so overcome with memories of being an Amphail that I'm not paying attention at all, and I rolled a natural one, which becomes a six. Okay. Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan gets a... 13 bucks gets a 21. Okay, Travancore. 25, which natural 20 for Travancore, 21 for Shadow. All right, and Bernie. Well, I got a 10 and Coco Snoot got an 11. Okay, you are still many miles out. Carlton, yeah, you're kind of overwhelmed seeing this town, even from a distance. It brings back a lot of memories and you are 
too busy in the past to see the present. Most of you see a very small town, a few houses, a few larger kind of plantations spread out to the right. It's a very large cultivated area, but you don't actually see very many buildings. Travancore, you and Shadow, as you peer out into down the road into this large, into the small town and this large area, you notice there's a crowd of people, maybe about 50 or 60 people, practically the whole town from what you estimate. They've moved off to the west side of the town where there is a large field. And the only reason that you really notice them is just because of the sheer volume of people in a small area. You can kind of see the the very tiny visage of people leaving the town not very far and moving off to stand in a very large clump outside town. That's weird. Do you relay this info? I do. And I say some people would call it a crowd, other people a mob. Uh, after he relays the info, do I recognize the direction he's sending all the people are standing in? He says this and you take kind of a more centered look at the town and you don't see these people that he's talking about and you don't you don't see anything that he's talking about. But you do know to the west of the town is usually where the racetrack is. Okay. And as you realize this and as Travancore finishes talking, Bronwyn has has been kind of squinting at this area and she says huh there isn't a race scheduled for today i wonder what's going on i say let's find out and she nods and kind of (coughs) urges the horses forward and they head on into town takes about another 10-15 minutes before you guys are entering kind of the outskirts of the town and now you can see that the road is practically blocked by what seems to be the entire town streaming across the road and off to the west about uh, 500, 600 yards where they are gathered on Carlton, what to you is new, bleachers. Uh, you know that the racetrack is off to the left. You haven't seen it forever. You just remember kind of a dirt racetrack. But the townspeople are streaming across and heading in excited, just obvious excitement to the west towards this area where they're very quickly climbing up into bleachers. And Bronwyn says, there wasn't a race scheduled for today. This must be be something I hadn't heard about or something that just came up in the last, like, week. That's a little weird. Eh." And she continues to kind of press her horses forward. She's obviously going to push through the crowd and continue on her way. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We got business to conduct. Assuming anyone's in town is doing business. Bronwyn pushes the horses through the the streaming piles of people who are all talking in exciting terms. And they push through into the center of town. What you see in front of you is a couple of larger storefronts, but a very small town. I mean, Greenest would be compared as a city to what Amphail is. In the very center of town, there is a very large statue of a stallion rearing up in its back legs with a little plaque. And as Bronwyn leads the horses around, she pulls up into kind of the center of town in front of one of the 
the storefronts there where the owner has just finished locking the door and is leaving. And she gives a sigh and she says, well, I should have known that nothing's going to happen until the race is over. And she reaches into her back pocket and pulls out candy. (laughs) (laughs) She pulls out a coin purse and she rifles through it a little bit. Uh, She's kind of stopped and parked the car, the, the cart. Tijin has jumped off the top. Selvig has gotten off and is starting to kind of both take care and watch the horses because of all the people that are streaming about. She reaches into her coin purse and pulls out some gold and looks at the four of you and says, so I did promise that if you guys stayed with us and helped us that I would have payment for you. It's not much, but I have 50 gold to offer. Would you please accept it? And my thanks. Do you have any worthers? <laughs> and she gives you a look and says, if I did, I would give you some, but I don't know what that is. What oh, is it? Do you have a grandmother? Uh, my grandmother uh, passed away a while ago. Yeah, but that, she would have had worthers. That's uh, a... <laughs> is that 50 each or 50 for the party, Lauren? Uh, f- she has 50 total that okay, she's handing out. So that's uh, 12 each. Okay, so she kind of hands it to somebody who distributes it evenly yeah. through the four of you. I was just going to say, how, how long are you staying in town for? Not long. Our business is usually concluded in the evening and then we head back immediately. Our charter is just the constant back and forth between Amphail and Waterdeep. We provide supplies to the businesses here so that they can continue to run. The rich assholes here need a lot of really weird stuff. So we tend to deal with that they do. those who... Yeah, Carlton, you are very as she says rich assholes you can picture like five or six of them oh i know some rich assholes in town and she says um so we we have a a very constant back and forth throughout the town so um unless this whatever is going on over there unless that gets in the way we're we're gonna be gone by the morning oh fair Tell enough me, carlton after you shove that opal in your butt are you to have a rich asshole Ah. Oh, come on. The puns are terrible tonight. I could not do it. How could I not do it? (sighs) She has pulled up in front of the staghorned flagon, which seems to be some kind of bar and inn. And her two guards, the the two half-elves, are currently in the process of opening up the wagon, setting up to unload some of the supplies, although they're doing it slowly and kind of looking around as the last of the townspeople are are essentially leaving town. It's it's kind of becoming a little bit of a ghost town. Uh well, if there were anyone in this town, I'd 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 ask if you wanted to get together and grab a drink, you know, since we have a tiny little bit of time to kill. But I don't think any of the bars are open. Um do I see the blacksmith in town? Do I like know where that's at? Uh go ahead and roll a perception check. Or he's probably at the races. Everybody's at the races. Nineteen. You do see a blacksmith in town. He's actually not someone that you're familiar with. You're mostly familiar with the blacksmith that worked for the family that you stayed with. This there there seems to be off in the distance to the north where you came through. You you saw what looked like a blacksmith, kind of a general blacksmithy. But as you you move around into the long road, kind of to get an, an eye on the door, and it seems to be closed. And okay. as you look around, you notice. Yeah, even though it's maybe only about four o'clock in the afternoon, it's just before dinner. It should be prime time for everybody to be selling stuff. But 
everything is closed. Even this bar that you guys have parked outside of, the door is closed and the windows are shuttered. And it has become, even in this five minutes of you getting off the cart, talking to Bronwyn, looking around, it's become a ghost town. All right, uh, huh, races? Off to the races then, I suppose. Off to the races. You guys start to head in that direction. Bronwyn gives you a a, a little bit of a, a thank you. The uh, yeah, farewells. Uh, yeah, both of the elves look at you and give you a little bit of wave in between of you know setting up the cart to be obviously unloaded of their wares. It's not that hard to find where everybody's going because the few people that are kind of left in town are headed in that direction very quickly, and it takes about ten to fifteen minutes to get there. Carlton, you're a little familiar with this. You do remember this as the official racetrack. And from what you remember when you were here the first time, the races that were here were very once a blue moon kind of thing, ad hoc every once in a while. As you approach, you can see that the stanchions that have been built for people to sit on the stands, those are new. And people are cheering and yelling and screaming. And as you kind of walk around, you see that a race has already started. There are four horses that are currently making their way around a mostly dirt track in this very large field to the west of the town. And I'd love you all to roll me perception checks. Jonathan, are you, you're trained in Arcana, right? Absolutely. I would love you to roll me a perception check and then also an arcana check. Is anyone actually trained in arcana? No. So everyone roll me perception checks. Jonathan, give me a perception and then an arcana. Okay. Uh, perception is 15. Uh, arcana is uh, 26. Okay. And Travancore? Uh, 23 for Travancore, 16 for Shadow. Okay. And Carlton? Uh, 24 for my perception. Uh, Bernie? We got sevens across the board here in the Coco Snoot world and the Bernie world, so... Okay, Bernie, as you guys come around this large series of bleachers, essentially, that people are yelling and screaming on, and there's just... It's kind of mayhem, and you look out into the field, and you see four horses, maybe about a half a mile away off in the distance with riders, just booking it down what you think seems to be a track there's three gray horses almost neck and neck and neck and then a black horse about two or three paces behind them uh the rest of you can see that this track actually has what almost seems to be stations at it there's points like on a compass north south east west and then northeast northwest southeast southwest where there are cobblestone bits of this track that have been built in with these large obelisks on either side that seem to be where these horses during this horse race are they're passing through them you gather from the way that they're racing and watching for a moment as they kind of pass the halfway mark they're coming around towards two-thirds of the way around this this large track which you estimate is a about a mile wide or about a mile long. Uh, this seems to be how the townspeople are marking off where the actual track is. These large stone obelisks with this bit of cobblestone in between. Jonathan, you see this and you 
something tells you to peer at it with a bit more of an arcane glance. Okay. You're not exactly sure what's going on. Those pillars that are on either side of these cobblestone pathways, essentially, there is clearly a magical essence to them. You'd have to get a lot closer to ascertain what they're actually doing, but it is very clear there's something magical happening at each of these stations. Do I notice the horses going faster after the stations? No, actually. They seem to be passing through. The The stations don't seem to make any kind of sound or noise or nothing seems to happen. They just pass through like you would expect horses. And at this point, they're starting to make the curve onto the, the three quarters of a mile on the right-hand side. You guys have come up along the right side of the area where all of the the spectators are watching you can see that they're all cheering and yelling for different horses you can hear a variety of names being called out carlton these are some of these names are ones that that you actually recognize you hear Salember, uh mcartha tough festic hey go for the the grays uh black chargers for the win uh saddle burns you can take it we're gonna go and they're just like cheering and screaming as these guys come around um do i hear eagle shield or no you do not but you do know that eagle shield is mostly basically veterinarians they're yeah i didn't know in the times that they've been there had they put a horse in the race so to say you do know there are a lot more. There's only four horses in this race. And there are a lot more breeding houses than four from your experience. And the Eagle Shields, also from your history, you do know that they don't normally breed horses. They're caretakers. They're veterinarians. They're healers. But you do not hear Eagle Shield. All right. Just just checking. Okay. Is, do I see anybody taking money? Uh, Roll a perception check. 16. Okay, at the front of the stanchions, where you guys see all, the vast majority of the townspeople are kind of finishing climbing up into kind of the, the, the people who are a little late to this party, as it were. In front of that, there is a variety of people. Some of them are obviously guards. Carlton, you recognize the, um, the colors of some of the different breeding houses. So some of these are actually guards of some of the houses that have attended this race. But you do also notice a very short gentleman in a black cloak. Hood is down. He's not currently taking money, but he's got a bag in one hand and what looks like a ledger in the other. And not only are a a lot of people in the stands watching him. He is intently watching the race. Hey, uh, Jonathan, you're 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 a big guy. Uh, can I borrow one of your cloaks? One of mine. I. This is the only one I've got. You don't have <laughs> like a spare cloak. set. He's not no. like a, a cloak maker. He's not like fashion I, wh- cloak. When Jonathan. I get my uh, when I get my uh, endless bag or whatever it's called, then then we'll talk. But uh, ooh, Jules, are you attuned to the hat of the skies currently? I no. Can I uh can I take fifteen minutes to attune to that real quick? Sure, sure. Take the hat. That's fine. Do it. You you can have it back. It takes. It does take about thirty minutes. It's a short rest. I will take thirty minutes to use the hat of the skies before I walk into town. Okay, Carlton, roll me a. Oh, we're gonna see your family here, Carlton. Why do you need to be in disguise? 
No, no reason. No, uh-uh. Actually, hold on. I haven't handed in this hat yet. I'm digging it out of my bag. I'm not taking this hat out of my bag until I know why Carlton needs to be in disguise to walk into his hometown. Well, A, it's not my hometown. I just lived here for a few years. But B, uh, me and one of the noble boys didn't get along very well. So I don't want to stir up any bad blood and put you guys... I just don't want shit to go down. I'm just trying to be polite and not have to smack a bitch. Is he here? I Do I see him? I know his family's here. Roll a perception check. 11. There's a lot of people here. There are a lot of people here. You do not see the gentleman you were looking for. However, you do see the colors of his house very clearly represented. And you do know there is an Amkartha horse in this race. Yeah. Where is his, where, where is this house? This house he's sitting? What does he look uh, that's like? Their, what did that's you their, their colors. That's their what house. Colors? What are the colors? Colors, Duke. The colors. Yeah, is this what? up to me or did you already plan this? I story? don't know. You know what the colors are. Yeah, I'm just like, I'll, I'll just make up colors. I don't know if you already had this written down. Well, what you told me is I never that, actually told you colors. Um, The crest of the Amphales is a black square block with a red square hole in the center. That's what you remember as their yeah. colors. And as you look around and you the point Amcaras. out. Yes, the, Not the, the Amphales. The Amcaras. Yeah. yeah, the Amphale is the name of the town. Yeah. The Amcaras, uh, Amcarthas. Amcarthas, as, yeah, that's it. As you point them out in the stands, you can see there's about five or six people sitting in the stands. They are cheering, but they're they're much more reserved. These are obviously nobles of some sort and a couple of their guards and the the guards are wearing the crest of the Amkartha family which is a a white background with a black square block with a red hole in the center and two swords shoved through the middle the nobles themselves are being very they're clapping and they're they're being excited because one of their horses is in the race the guards themselves are just being wary and watching out for everything carlton you don't see the gentleman you're looking for but you do point out that section and so bernie you can see this obvious house of some sort of noble carlton in the fights you used to get in who won me always Yes. Who started them? They were tavern brawls. Okay. All right. How how many people in this town would be happy to see you? Uh, I know of at least one family. Uh, one one family that I would assume is very happy to see me. One that would be pretty unhappy to see me, and then the majority of the others, all the others, who would be very indifferent. Indifference is 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 good. I assume in this situation. All right. You may have the hat. Yay! I'm going to... Bernie hands spend... you the hat. Are you going to just, like... So you guys are kind of standing off to the side of these... This large stanchion where most of these town people have been sitting. The horses at this point have crested the, the three-fourths of a... Um, of, of a mile and are heading towards the final roundabout, assuming that they're going a mile, which from your experience, these races tend to be about a mile long. Do you want to just, it's going to take 30 minutes to attune to this hat. Do you want to just do it right there in view of everybody? Do you want to leave? I'm going to kind of like sulk back. So I'm not like okay. just sitting there looking at a hat. Go ahead and roll me a stealth check. 16. 
Okay. You duck under the risers and are kind of out of view of everybody. Put the hat on. You're going to spend the next 30 minutes attuning to it. What what do the rest of you want to do? I want to buy a beer. Once the race is over, I want to take a look at the pillars. Okay. Bernie, go ahead and roll a perception check. And Travancore, what would you like to do? I would also like to buy a beer. Okay. I think I rolled two. Go ahead and roll a perception check. I accidentally okay. rolled two, but the first one was a 22. Well, we'll say that your dog was also looking for a beer. What were both of the rolls? Two, 22 and a 10. <laughs> okay. I'll be, while I'm attuning myself, I'm also going to relieve myself. I'll be right back. Okay. And Travancore, what was your roll? 23. Bernie, you and Travancore scan the area and very quickly pick up next to this kind of cloaked figure with the hood down, the short figure who's seems to be some sort of bookie. Two or three men next to him are carrying large pitchers and kind of a stack of cups. And it is game day at at the first game of the World Series, and they are just hawking their beer. And you immediately see that they are food and drink is available. I would like to buy beer and a pretzel. Uh, they don't have pretzels available. It seems that they have some sort of sausage in a bun. I can go for one oh. of those. I would like a sausage in a bun and a beer, please. Okay. He looks at the two of you. He very quickly, the, the gentleman that you've approached, pours two beers, hands it to the two of you. It's kind of in this really crappy mug, kind of this pewter, seems like it's almost going to fall apart mug. The sausage in a bun that he hands you seems like it was cooked about an hour ago and is looks good but is cold hands it to the two of you and says uh, uh, four copper i i hand over four copper okay i also hand over four copper he takes it and you guys both have a, a beer and a sausage in a bun i want to ask if he has ketchup he looks at you and says what no ketchup has been around for very long we just time. found out about this a couple hours ago i'm lucky that i even have food and drink go away and he continues to walk Wow, wow, Bernie, these people just discovered ketchup. What a great time for them. I know. This must be <laughs> magical. At this point, the horses have rounded the final corner. The cheering has gotten to a fever pitch as the horses finally thunder across what you can only assume is the finish line of this race. It is gray horse, gray horse, gray horse black horse and everyone cheers and the very short man at the front who's kind of near where some of these other beer and sausage sellers are is immediately swamped with people and money is exchanging hands you see people yelling and screaming uh on the very far side of fist fight actually breaks out but is very quickly broken up by guards that you can see are from two different houses and it's kind of a general melee as the horses that have just finished the race continue to trot down the track it looks like they're going to take partially the one that won a victory lap and the other three are taking kind of a cool down lap um how did am uh, finish uh, you don't know you are under the bleachers. Okay, that's what I figured. And can't see <laughs> shit as you try to attune to this hat. It's been literally about 25-30 seconds. Like, squatting under that's the fine. bleachers like he's trying to poop with his eyes closed with a tiny <laughs> little hat on top of his head. He's just like rocking back and forth. He's like, a dude, a dude, a dude. 
under my breath, I'm like, I hope you lost. Yeah, high- secondary school all over again, eh, Carlton? We're eating. I'm not we're near not, you, we're so. not near oh. him. We're we're eating really shitty hot dogs and drinking beer. Well, out I of saw mugs. him going to the bleachers. I just kind of like had this. Yeah, I saw him going to the bleachers too. I don't want to know what he's doing. Three get tongue jobs. You guys kind of saw him go there, but the, <laughs> at least the two of you, uh, Jonathan, what are you doing? You said you wanted to go check out these. Yeah, after the, the race. Okay. Do you want to just walk up to the closest ones, or mm-hmm. you can try to be no. sly? About no, it? I'm just going to walk up to the closest one. Okay. The closest one is actually right in front, about 50 feet away from where the actual crowd is set up. As you get about halfway there, you do notice that there are a couple of guards who are standing at either side of this. Basically, what you can see is a starting gate. It's two very large pillars that are about four and a half feet tall with this section of the ground that has been paved, essentially. It's it's a, it's a... Um, a bunch of uh, bricks laid down on the ground. You can feel the magical energy coming off of them, but the guards are starting to give you kind of a really weird look as you get about 15 feet away. I asked the guards, I'm like, greetings. I am Jonathan the Magimuscular. I hail from Neverwinter and I'm a powerful magician. I, these things pinged my magical senses. What's going on with them? I'm very curious. I would assume you would know what they are. But I guess if you haven't been to Amphel before, you wouldn't know. And so the guard closest to you approaches another five or so feet, still kind of keeps his distance. He's got um, very nice chain mail on with a crest that you don't recognize. He's got a shield and a sword, uh, no helmet. He looks you in the eye and he says, so a while back we were having some problems with let's say, uh, magical interference on some of the honorable races that we're having here. These are set up to dissuade magic from actually working. And called it. Look at the chat. Cl- I called it. I guessed it right. I get a brownie point. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. Did Carlton guess that? No. Or did John did. guess that? John guessed it, not knowing. You get a brownie point, but you don't get anything else. Uh, Jonathan, at this point, you're about a 15 feet away from one of these pillars. You can re-roll an Arcana check. Watch, it'll be worse. Yep. Oh, wow. Nine. You can feel the magic coming off of these things, but you gotta take the guard's word for it. You get the sense that it must be some, it's either an alert or an anti-magic field. You're not sure which, but from the way the guard is talking about it, this this must be some way to at least alert everybody that there's been some kind of magical interference on a race. And the guard continues with... Is the race over? Uh, this race is over. You see that the four horses that were participating in the race are continuing their very slow cool-down lap around. Roll me a perception check. Uh, 11 for me, 14 for bucks. Through... Bucks's perception, what with him kind of staying off on the periphery, but keeping a very close eye on everything, you do see off to your left, four more horses being prepared for what you can only assume is a race. It's three more of the large, slender gray horses that you've seen, and one more of the black chargers that you actually recognize as the same kind of black chargers that was pulling your cart. Okay, neat. Uh, I asked the guards, hey, do you mind if I 
So does it alert people or does it prevent magic from happening? I'm I'm kind of curious. It does a little bit of both. Do you mind if I cast a, a quick light spell to see if I can set it off? Would that be fine? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of do. Okay. The purpose of this is to stop people from actually, you know, casting magic spells in this area. And it'd be nice if you wouldn't cast magic spells in this area. Gotcha. Well, thanks. He gives you a nod, but he doesn't move as you walk away. He kind of watches you a little wary. Well, I am a powerful wizard. I mean, we we have to expect some sort of discrimination from muggles. Yes. Uh, yes, Bernie and Travancore, you guys have, at this point, finished your sausage in a bun. It's okay. I mean, it'd be better if it was warm, but you get the sense from hearing people around you and from what this guy has said that this is a impromptu race and that normally they would be warm, but in this case, people just kind of grabbed what they had. I want to see if I can flag somebody down and see why there's a race at the last second. Okay. Go ahead and roll a roll an insight check. While he does that, I want to roll to see if I'm drunk because I'm a gnome <laughs> and I just drank beer. Okay, a very go big ahead and, pint of beer. Uh, roll a Constitution saving throw. Did you drink eight less than a forty? <laughs> oh, a forty! This, both of you were handed what seemed like a regular cup of ale ish the cup itself was obviously a really low quality pewter oh. um Trevin should Cole, i also roll? roll to see if i've lead poisoning <laughs> oh <laughs> 16 and bernie would you roll for your constitution saving throw i got a six bernie this is the weakest beer you have ever tasted it's pathetic this has been watered down so far that even though you have drank half of this cup of beer, you can't even feel a buzz. And at your height, you should be dropped dead drunk by now. Sad. This beer's a disaster. I want to yeah. chug the rest and go find the guy who sold it to me. Okay, you chug the rest. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. Travancore, with that insight, you eventually find a slightly intoxicated woman. She is dressed in simple clothes. She seems to be just a kind of a, a regular working townsperson of some sort. She's been chatting amicably with somebody and then is turned as Four more horses have started to trot out to the starting line to obviously prepare for what seems to be the next race. She started to cheer loudly as you approach. She's like, hey, who are you rooting for? Oh, Team Grey Horse all the way. Which, which Grey Horse? There's three of them. I'm, who, who can I'm, choose? Guys, well, you, you have to choose. I mean, you have to pick one. I mean, who wants to vote for, who wants to cheer for those Amkartha assholes? I'm, I'm going for the Festics. They'll never win, but they deserve what I have to put. I, I want them to. And as she kind of starts to sad cry, she turns to the short man with the, the black cloak that you'd noticed before who seems to be taking money and everything, and she hands him two gold and says, I want two gray on Festic! And he nods and takes it down and kind of marks something in his leisure. And she turns back to you and says, i They're not gonna win! <sighs> but I love them so much, and I just... I just want them to do well. I... 
I put a hand on her shoulder in a comfortable way and saying, hey, I know what it's like. You got to go with your gut. Even if it's heartbreak, sooner or later, they're going to win. Have faith. I love you, Phillies. They're just such <laughs> right? nice people. And I want them to win. It's not like speed is everything, but it's all a just thing. Go Festig! Fighting Festig. <laughs> Leave Festig alone. Leave her alone. <laughs> All right. So, so did, <laughs> who are you rooting for? What are you gonna? Who are you gonna put? Did, are you gonna put on Festic? Because you know, like they're nice people. You should really like you're new to town. Obviously, I haven't seen you before. Where are you from? Oh man, so far away. Uh, you probably never. You probably never heard of it. Ah, oh, well, welcome, welcome Thanks. to Amphail. We're happy people. You should. You should put your money on Festic. They're they're awesome people, and they're really nice. And they always come into my shop, and they tip really well, and they're not like those Amkartha assholes. Wait, who are no! the Amkarthas? Amkarthas, they're the biggest house in town. They're the ones who, they usually win these races. And it sucks, because you kind of, you want the nice people to win. I want the nice people to win. I don't, and she leans against you and puts her hand on your shoulder as though to like comfort you but she's so intoxicated that she actually like almost falls into you i i i i, I catch her just to as a gentleman you catch her and kind of prop her up gently like a gentleman of course and she says but i they're just so mean but they're so good you know what you gotta love that story. I'm I'm gonna match your bet for uh, what's the name? Festus. The Festic. Festic. Oh, hey, hey, come on. She's gonna put some money, and so she calls over the the black cloaked gentleman who seems to be taking the bets. He's a human male. He's very short. He seems to be maybe five feet tall. Like you, you've actually kind of mistaken him for almost a halfling or a gnome because he's, or maybe a dwarf. And he hears the woman call to him and he turns. He's got very thin strands of dark black hair, very dark brown eyes, kind of a, a a hooked nose. He's a very striking figure. He's got the the ledger in one hand and kind of the bag in the other. And he looks at you and he gives her a calculating glance and then smiles. And it's without even a role you can tell this is a predatory smile and he says oh my dear were you thinking about putting another bet on the second race this would be excellent i'm sure that the the festics have a better chance this time i mean they they're only three to one against at this point and she pulls out two gold and hands it to this gentleman and says yes they're gonna do it this time I really feel like this is this is this is gonna be the race. And he looks at you, Travancore, and says, Ah, the gentleman I'm not familiar with. Are you interested in betting on the next race? There's only three of them for this evening. Travancore, the Viceroy of Glenmar, bets on Festic. Two gold. Yeah, the minimum bet is two gold. You can bet as much or as little as you want. Right now, Festic for the second race is... And he flips through his papers a little bit and, and takes a tally. It looks like he's doing some mental math and he says, 
Right now, the three to one against is a 25% chance, so your payout would be very profitable if you would like to go ahead and bet on them. Fortune favors the bold, I suppose. Let's up that to five gold. Five? Oh, excellent. I like a man who is willing to put his money where his mouth is. Five gold. Excellent. He makes a, a mark. He says, what, what can I say is your name, sir? You are obviously new in town. Travancore, Viceroy of Glenmar. And I show them the seal of Glenmar. Well, Travancore, Viceroy. I'm not familiar with that, but that's okay. I'll get you down for Travancore. Is that with one A or two A's? One towards the beginning and one t- towards the... Uh, two A's, actually. Travancore. Travancore. I've got yeah. it. Come back to me if your horse wins. We'll see if you've made a little bit of money. Place your bets, people! Place your bets! We've only got a few minutes left before the next round. And he kind of wanders off. The woman that you've been talking to turns back to you with this giant drunken grin on her, grin on her face. And says, that was that was very nice. I think I, I know the Festix would really appreciate that. And I appreciate that too. Are they here? Of course! And she points up into the crowd, and you can see, just like the M. Carthas kind of had a group of maybe five or six people all in their colors in the, the black and the red, you can see a group of people in gray and blue sitting there. They're very somber. They don't seem to be cheering the same way people are. They just seem to be kind of very dour and serious about whatever is going to be happening. All right. I want to see if I can make my way up there and make an introduction. Go ahead and roll a go ahead and roll a dexterity check. And while you're doing that, what are the rest of you doing? I don't know. Has it been 30 minutes? Uh, yeah. So, Carlton, if you're still attuning to the hat, um, it's maybe been three or four minutes you've got about 25 minutes left to go um you can kind i'm sitting this one you out. can kind of hear what's going on around you and you've got a vague sense of uh, that this is a lull before the next race but otherwise you are focused on attuning uh jonathan and uh, bernie what were you doing i am going to go find the person who sold me that weak ass beer okay roll a perception check i got a 15 Okay, you look around, you think you see him in the distance, kind of moved up into the crowd, handing out beer and sausages to people. If you want to try to approach him, you're going to have to weave your way through the crowd and it's going to take a dexterity check. All right, I'm going to do it. Okay, while you do that, Jonathan, what are you up to? I sit and watch the race. Okay. You find yourself a comfy place to sit. You are able to get up a couple of rows in the bleachers so that you get a nice view once the horses have kind of gone around the halfway point. You see that there are three horses that are approaching for the next round. Of the three horses, of the four horses, three of them are the kind of very dark gray horse. It's a very monotone gray horse with maybe a little bit of black along the snout or maybe the end of the hooves but they seem to be almost the same exact horse obviously a very lithe quick horse these are obviously fast racing horses they're in different colors 
Um, the three of them, the writers that are on top of them are in three different riots of colors. One of them is in a gray and blue. One of them is in a black and red. And one of them seems to be in a yellow and green. And there is a fourth horse that is the same kind of black charger that you're familiar with from now traveling with Bronwyn and her guards. Kind of the very stocky, powerful larger horse this is more of a war horse and while it is obviously much more powerful than the others and they're almost Clydesdales they are just super powerful and muscular they're almost they're almost a, a half a size larger than the greys that they're next to but it's obvious that these are horses built for power and not for speed and so it's a little weird that you see somebody in this race obviously but they are all lining up the the horses are obviously antsy you get a very good view of them travancore what was your perception what was your uh dexterity check 12 try as you might you cannot get up these bleachers are packed to the gills and you would practically have to crawl on top of people in order to get to anywhere you want to be bernie what was your oh your dexterity check i got a one okay sad drink you take a look at travancore and then look back at the people and the path you would have to take because there's no there's no obvious like stairs this isn't a well-built stanchion this is definitely a kind of rickshaw ramshackle very quickly put up series of bleachers one after another there's no easy way to get up there unless this guy was actually on the edge of it you would basically have to fly to get to this guy all right, it's obvious from the way the, uh, there's a guard that's approaching that seems to be in an all gold armor. He's the only one that you can see wearing a helmet. He has a halberd to his side that has a very large gold pinion on the end. He is approaching the end and is addressing the riders of these horses. And from the way that the crowd is starting to settle, it's obvious that this second race is about to begin in the few moments that you've left. Is there anything you guys would like to do? Just going to chill and watch the race, I guess. Guess we're watching the race. I'm looking at a hat. Yeah, I'm going to try and find Bernie and just, like, figure out where she is and then sit down and watch the race. Uh, you guys do your best to find some places to, uh, watch the race. Travancore, you're the only one with a bet on it. You do hear that the Festic House is three to one against. Their, their odds are not good. You hear that they, they make excellent stock of horses, but as far as speed goes, this isn't the best. And as you guys set up to uh, to watch the race, except for Carlton, who continues to sit and attune, let's race. So the guard at the very start of the the race, he's got his halberd out with the gold pinion. You hear him yell out some words that none of you understand, and then he brings his halberd down in a very sharp motion and obviously that is the alert to start the race and very quickly the horses leap into action okay of the four horses the gray that's in the solemn colors and the black charger of all things 
take the lead, they come to a a very quick five to ten feet uh, ahead of the other two, and they just charge ahead into the first roundabout. And then... Travancore, you notice that the festing horse, the gray and blue adorned horse, managed to pull up and be next to the 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 gray and the black charger who had originally taken the lead. The third horse seems to lag behind, and you can hear a very large portion of the crowd is very surprised by this, as three of these horses kind of take a five-foot lead on this fourth gray that is hanging back. And then... Interesting. Uh-oh. Okay, the black charger that was keeping pace with everybody falls uh, very slowly. You can see the power in his stride, but he just doesn't have the speed. And very slowly, he kind of ends up next to Amkarth, the Amkartha horse, while the two other greys continue to race forward as they round into the final stretch. And people are going crazy in the, the stands above you as... 14. Okay, the Amkartha horse manages to pull up to get second place. Fuck. The Festic horse actually comes in first. Mm. Uh, you see the Amkartha horse that had been sitting kind of behind the main pack do a a very sudden burst of speed right at the end and manages to sneak into second place so it's the the gray from festig the amkartha gray the black charger and then this fourth gray horse that you guys don't know there is a lot of commotion in the stands people are screaming out of their minds and a a whole host of people rush up to the bookie who starts handing out gold pieces to people travancore i'm assuming you are going to go on up the same yes but first i dab and then i hate (laughs) you so much (laughs) okay and then i go to the bookie to collect is so you would put in five gold is that correct that's right all right so you uh walk up to this bookie give your name the hook nose kind of short man looks at his he looks at the tally that he's got on the right hand side he does some mental math he's like ah you actually won that's not many people. He's in the process of actually handing out gold to the woman that you had been talking to, the incredibly drunk woman, who seems to be having a hard time putting it in her pocket, but is just ecstatic. And he hands over, so you had given him five gold, he hands you um 28 gold pieces and says, fortune is on your side, my friend. And uh, goes to console a lot of people that are coming up to him that just anecdotally you hear were actually betting on either the Selember or Amkartha horse and are trying in vain to collect something on the second place win of Amkartha. And you hear this guy say, nah, it's only only winners, only winners. If you want to bet on the third race, final race, I'm taking bets right now. The odds have changed, but if you want to bet on it right now, I'll take it. So I try and find the lady that uh, was there I talked to before, the drunk lady, and I'm like, thanks for the tip, and I hand her two gold. She sees you, and before you can even hand her the gold, she sees you. She sees the 
handful of gold that you have in your hand and hugs you. And it's a drunk hug. It is a <laughs> total drunk hug of, oh, God, you, you, you did it. I can't believe they won. This is amazing. And she shows you she had bet, obviously, a lot more gold than you. And she has just a pile of gold in her hands and she's trying to stuff it down into pockets in her dress. She sees your gold. She says, I told you, I told you Bahamut will always, will always. Uh, and she starts to faint. And I need you to roll a dexterity saving throw. Okay. I can't wait for this one to hit the floor. 16. You managed to catch her before she hits the mud. And um, she's passed out for a moment. You kind of usher her over to a seat and sit her down. And she comes to and she says, I know good people always win. That's right. Do you need some help getting back to wherever it is you need to go? Uh, wait, I need to be right here. There's a third race. Vestic is good. One more. It's one more race and then I'll go home. I feel like I feel a responsibility to hang out with this lady to make sure she's okay. And so you were you're gonna sit next to her? Yeah. Okay. She had you've kind of put her down on the, the first rung of bleachers of this set of five bleachers. Not many people are sitting on the basically what is the ground floor. So it's very easy for you to find a seat next to her. She is weaving and is very intoxicated. And when she does say a couple of words, it's mostly about how awesome Festic is and how much she knew that Bahamut would actually um, reward her for her faith. She keeps talking about how she wants to bet on the third race, the final race, which will just codify how much she loves Festic. But every time she tries to get up, you see her start to get up and then sit back down. And she is just too intoxicated to stand up. Whew. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and look around and see if there's anyone who recognizes this lady or anyone who knows her. Okay. Roll a perception check. The rest of you, what are you guys doing? I'm assuming I'm still fiddling with this hat. Yes, you are. It's been about 15 minutes at this point. You've still got some time before this hat is ready to go. Uh, Bernie is uh, gonna just find a nice seat on the bleachers and just sit there. She doesn't bet on things. Not okay. like this, at least. So the bleachers themselves, the first rung of bleachers where Travancore and his new friend have sat down, are, they're not empty, but there's enough space that you are actually able, between Travancore making some room for you and the fact that you're semi-small, you can actually sit next to him without too much of a problem. When you sit down, you can't see jack shit as far as the race goes. I will stand up when it starts. Okay. And Jonathan, what are you doing? I watch the race. Okay, you were in uh, the second rung. You can kind of see what's going on. It's going to be obvious from where you're sitting that once they make the turnaround to kind of the halfway point, you might have to stand up. But you've noticed that most of the crowd seems to stand up at that point, so you're not too concerned. Okay. All right. It takes a moment. Uh, once again, three gray horses come trotting out in the same colors. Another black charger comes out in similar colors. It seems like this is a, a race between four of the same horse uh, houses, one of whom obviously is specializing in black chargers. And they line up. You see that same gold-plated armored guard come up with his halberd. He says a few words, he lowers his halberd, and the race starts. 
Okay, very quickly, the Festic House comes out ahead, that gray and blue stanchioned um, house with Salember right behind him, and then Amkartha and Tuff kind of neck and neck. As they come around to the halfway point, the Amkartha horse actually pulls ahead and manages to take the lead, and I need all of you, except for Carlton, to roll perception check. Ha! This hat, man. Look at this hat. <laughs> this hat is great. I'm doing this so we don't get into a fight. <laughs> uh, come on, again with the 20s. Uh, Jonathan gets a 20 and Bucks gets a 23. And Bernie? 11. And Travancore? 8. Do anyone for Shadow as well? Yeah, Shadow is kind of seated in front of you. No one. People have been giving him weird looks, but, you know, it's not so odd that they've been weird. So Shadow gets a 13. Okay. Jonathan, as the horses round the halfway point, you've been keeping an eye on these stone pillars that are obviously the the centers for the magical aura that is stopping any magic kinkiness from happening. And so as they they go through this center section, you've been keeping a very close eye, and you notice that all of a sudden all four horses skid to a stop. And there is whinnying that's happening. And you see very odd figures on monsters of some sort. Something on all fours or maybe sixes come out of the woods that are about a half a mile beyond where the this track is. They've rushed towards the horses and all four of the horses have skidded to a halt and are reacting to this attack in a a very in a very obvious way that as you stand up and you focus in and people are starting to gasp in horror Jonathan you see that the figures that have come out of the trees seem to be multi-legged creatures there's a blue hue on them and as they stare and hiss at the horses and the riders that are on top of them two of the horses two of the the Salember horse and the Black Charger rear up in fear. The Black Charger comes down. It seems to be moving very slowly. The gray, ha- the Salember horse, has risen up onto its back hind legs, whinnying in fear, and then seems to be frozen there. Jonathan, you see very clearly the gray of this horse has very slowly turned into the gray of stone as this horse turns to a statue before your eyes. And that's where we will end tonight. You know, it. I, I, hate, to see a fence, I hate to see a festive event go to hell in a pan basilisk. We end with Carlton fiddling with a hat under the bleachers. Yep, Carlton's fiddling with a hat under the bleachers. The three of you are in the bleachers, but only Jonathan really sees what's going on as uh, the horses are very clearly attacked by some sort of creature that he has an idea about, and we'll see what happens next week. Thanks for listening to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Follow us on Twitter, at Dungeon Drunks, or www.libshark.com. And see you next encounter.